You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. people welcome to paint points as usual i'm your host jade painting this podcast is proudly brought to you by the sb nation podcast network and the tanner supers family today we're going to talk rotations ideal rotations uh obviously the timbles landscape right now is pretty dire they are three and 14 they can't seem to win a game without towns and it's it's there's not a lot of fun things to talk about, so I'm joined today by Kane Super's contributor and, and friend of the show, Jack Borman. What's going on, Jack? Not a whole lot. I'm back on the East Coast, so no more no more live in person games for me. But um but yeah, man, it's 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 tough sledding <laughs> getting through and trying to watch this this uh quite literal fire fest. Um and just overall tire fire that is the Timberwolves. Yeah, that I thought that we'd try and steer away from the the horribleness of it a little bit. I know that we'll probably, you know, you can't talk about the Timberwolves without going into how bad the season's been, but rather than just talking about the the negatives and and how horrible everything has been on the court, I thought we'd try and get some get some positive positivity and some some lineups that we think could work. Uh you posted a tweet on Twitter yesterday uh about your ideal rotation when when Towns is back and uh I I completely agree with it. I know, you know, we not always completely agreeing on everything, but I think today I'm probably going to be in, in in agreement with you for a lot of this. So tell me this rotation and then I'll kind of hit you with, with some questions after that and we'll, and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, so I kind of just came up with, you know, this off the top of my head and it's absolutely not what's going to happen, but it's, it's just what I'd want to happen. Um, yeah. so the starting five, I would love to see as Delo, Malik, Josh, Jared Vanderbilt and, and Towns. Um, and, and the reason why I have a Kogi and Vanderbilt in there, I know that some people are, are already clamoring for McDaniels to start or for Anthony Edwards to start. And so, I want to start there. Um, so I, I put a Kogi in there because uh, a Kogi has proven time and time again that he is an excellent defender and that this team's defense is on a completely different level when he's in the in the game um, than, than when he's out of the game. Uh, and, and with Towns back in the fold, uh, just the overall scoring gravity that he has and, and, and how much he spaces the floor out just by being out there uh, is incredible. And, and I think it'll unlock more opportunities for Josh to drive and kick, uh, which he's already shown to be, to be very good at. Um, and just a, a defensive front court of a Kogi Vanderbilt in towns, I think um, will really allow you to, to kind of hide D'Angelo Russell um, and that 
I think that you'll be able to give a lot of good help on drives with, with digging. Um, and you have two guys who are very smart, uh, you know, in the pick and roll while they're playing off ball in a Kogi and Vanderbilt. Um, and you can even switch, switch those two playing in the pick and roll. We saw that happen uh, really successfully against the Warriors in that second game where, where Steph Curry got off to a really, really slow start. Um, so, so that's kind of the basis of why I think it's, it's better to, to start those two um, next to towns just because of how much added space he gets or he, he, he pretty much provides. Um, and then the bench five, that I have. So I have this as a 10 man rotation because I think that's just the easiest to work with. Um, and that's what they're going to, that's what it seems like Ryan wants to play. When yeah. everyone's healthy, it seems like he wants to play 10 guys. Right. And so the the bench five I have is McLaughlin, uh, Jalen Noel, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jane McDaniels, and Nas Reed. And so my, my rationale behind this is just that, you know, when Ricky Rubio came to Minnesota, you know, he w- he was sought after as a guy who could run the offense, make everybody around him better, um, and really defend at a high level. Um, and, and so far this year, Ricky Rubio has done none of those things well. Um, and I just think that, you know, as much as I love him as a player um, and as a, as a dude um, and what he did in Minnesota the first time and then in, in Phoenix and in Phoenix and in Utah, um, there's just got to be consequences if, if you can't do the job that you're asked to do. Um, and so that's why I have McLaughlin in there. And McLaughlin just always seems to to make winning plays when he's out there in some capacity, whether it's something small um, or something big, like crazy good finishing, uh, making open threes or, or, you know, crashing and passing uh, into the corners, which he's been great at. Um, and then I have Noel in there over Culver. And so this was the one that I was most on the fence about um, solely because I think that Jared Culver is a completely different player when Cat's out there. He's much more confident. He's better driving to the rim. And he's also been a better shooter with Cat on the floor than, than with Cat off the floor. Um, and really, the, the key to Culver is just spacing. And so with, with worse spacing when he has to play with Ed Davis, um, it just makes it tough for him. But but I, I think that you know Jalen Noel has really proved in these last few games that he's played in, He's a baller, man. He, he just he just gets it. You know, he averaged like 25 points a game last year uh, for the Iowa Wolves, and he shot like 43 or 44% on like seven or eight attempts from three when he was playing in Iowa. And he has real chemistry with, with McLaughlin and Reed, um, too. And so then <clears> – <throat> and also just his shooting, I think, will, will help make things easier for, uh, for McLaughlin as a, as a drive-and-kick point guard and Anthony Edwards as well, too, when Ant's going to drive. Um, but you, I mean, if you roll with this five of McLaughlin, Noel, Edwards, McDaniels, and Reed off the bench, you got five guys that can shoot threes. Um, and I think that bench five would win, you know, eight out of 10 nights, uh, just because that gives you that, that shooting lineup gives you the flexibility to bring one of those guys in when a killing you because he can't shoot or when Vanderbilt's killing you because he can't shoot. Like I agree that you need those guys in there for, uh, insulation, you know, for, for Beasley and Russell in the starting lineup. But with five shooters off the bench, you can easily substitute one of those guys into that starting lineup or in, not, or just throughout the game into that five, into that starting five. Yeah. To, to help to help bring your offense up rather than just having bench guys like, you know, Culver or Hernan Gomez at the moment who just add to those problems and, and don't defend at the, at the level that Atari and Vanderbilt do. Yeah, and, and I think, too, another big thing with this is that, you know, these are more of Gerson Rosas-type guys. Um, you know, Gerson Rosas yeah. and Ryan Saunders are 
for better or worse, very married to the idea of wanting to play five out. And yeah. with those five guys, you can play five out. Um, and I think that being able to play five out as a bench unit um, is pretty dangerous, especially considering that you've got two guys that are really explosive going to the rim in Edwards and McDaniels. Um, but then you've also got two other or three other really good finishers around the rim off the drive and McLaughlin, Noel and Reed. And I think too, that, you know, in, as opposed to the Rubio Culver Edwards, Wancho Reed bench five, like that lineup would heavily rely on Anthony Edwards to carry them offensively. Which, I mean, could be good in the sense that, you know, everything would run through him all the time. But at the same time, um, if you're playing McLaughlin, Noel out there as well, um, and, and maybe who the hell knows, maybe even Jaden McDaniels, if he continues on the pace he's on, he might be more of a and defensive they're all, focus. But they're all, low, they're all low usage guys still. Like, you can still have Ant out there shooting 10, 15 shots a night as your bench six-man role kind of guy. But instead of you know, guys who aren't helping him when he's out there and are kind of actively hurting him in that six-man role. You have guys who can who can buoy him and who can really lift him up and provide, you know, shooting options for that drive and kick. We've, we've all, you know, we spoke about how well Ant's drive and kick game is compared to what we thought it would be. Like, I just think that that bench five is where this rotation really excites me. And I... Like you said at the start, it's not going to happen. Like Rubio, they're not going to stop playing Rubio. I'd be surprised even if Wancho doesn't come back and probably get some minutes. But like, I just, it just feels like malpractice at this point not to start playing the guys who are clearly earning their their minutes. Like you said with Ricky, like you can't just can't just keep giving guys minutes without consequences for their actions. And I just think like Rubio, he's been better every every single season of his, Rubio's career. He's been better, you know, the team's been better with him on the floor. This season, Minnesota are 3.9 points worse per 100 possessions when he's out there. Like, the Wolves are 8.9 points better per 100 possessions when McLaughlin's out there. I think that's just ignorant to ignore that at this point. Like, the only reason I can think that Rubio should be seeing the floor is to kind of boost that trade value and maybe find a way to turn that $17 million contract, you know, over the next two seasons into an expiring one this season that you can get off the books but like I'm not sure at this point that playing him and, and letting him stink it up every night isn't just doing him more harm than not playing him at all yeah like I don't think his trade value can tank any more than it currently has if if GMs are watching what we're watching yeah and I think the other thing too is that uh GMs or teams around the league know what they're getting in Ricky Rubio if you put him yeah. in the right situation and and I think it's very obvious that that Ricky Rubio is not in the right situation for him as a player and it's and it's actively hurting, uh, hurting him as a player, hurting him as a as a person, and and also just like you said, lowering his trade value. Um, but I, but I think I'm not too too worried about his trade value necessarily, solely because he's such a poor fit in what this team wants to try and accomplish that I, I just don't I don't envision Ricky Rubio providing any added value, especially on offense unless this team is constantly running plays. And, I, and I'd have no issue playing Rubio over McLaughlin if the bench just ran plays the whole entire time, like we saw yeah. against New Orleans last Saturday. Um, but, you know, we're just not seeing that. And and I just don't trust Ricky Rubio to just start ad-libbing or, you know, 
playing freely or whatever because he's shown that he just looks like a fish out of water that just loves to shoot these dumbass one-legged step back fadeaways to his left off the glass. It's like, dude, what? Like, why are you making that your signature shot? It's literally like the complete antithesis of everything that this team is about. He, he, Rubio worked on this team in a vacuum. And unfortunately the sport is not played in a vacuum and this team doesn't operate in one and they don't and they seem to refuse to use Rubio the right way. Like you said, like we know Rubio can be a good player, but this this system and the the way they expect a point guard to play in this system just doesn't work for Rubio. They need he, they need the point guard to be a ball dominant kind of guy who can break down a defense, who can collapse a defense, and then pass the ball to shooters or finish around the rim. And and Rubio can't do any of that right now. Like he just he can't he doesn't have the shake to get past guys at all. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 40%, 46% at the rim, 35% between 4 and 14 feet, which is that kind of short mid-range, which is pretty much all those little leaners because he just can't create enough space to shoot any other shot except that leaning, horrid kind of thing that we're seeing every night. And then McLaughlin is kind of the opposite to that. Like, he breaks down guys easily because he's quick and he's fast and he's low to the ground because he's so small. And then... He makes his bread kind of collapsing defenses and kicking to shooters. And that's why 60%. And that's why he and Russell worked so well together last year. Right, it's because it right. felt like Ryan ran more plays for D'Angelo Russell off the ball last year than he does this year. Um, and I think that I think that even if he's not running plays, just the ability to draw a crowd like McLaughlin does allows D'Lo to just move around the perimeter freely more on his own, even if it's not a, a set play ran for him. Whereas Rubio's no one's collapsing on Rubio like once he kind of gets in that isolation situation like every single team expects their point guard to be able to stay with him and like that's just hurting the entire offense because they're expecting they seem to be instructing him to do it consistently throughout a game to to run these these drive and kick actions but he can't drive he I don't know if and he's turned the ball over he, a lot for somebody that some of the passes are just throwing, terrible like yeah he, like, just those passes where, like, guys aren't looking at him and he just, like, throws it into someone's back, like... And those live ball turnovers are pretty much instant points on the other end, especially for a team that's terrible in transition defensively. And he gets caught in the air a lot. Um, you know, that wasn't something These that I really... Re- Rubio that wasn't really something that I remembered about Ricky Rubio was him getting caught up in the air a lot, but he's gotten caught up in the air and turned the ball over quite a bit uh, for somebody who really has no business being up in the air unless he's, like, yeah. shooting a layup, but... Uh, I just think that he his confidence is just so obviously shot. Like I don't remember Rubio doing any of these things. Even watching him in Phoenix and Utah, he was this was not him. Like the like you said, the getting up in the air and turning it over, or just like being so careless with the ball. I know that he has always been a an averagely high turnover guy, just because he gets a lot of assists and he you know he's a playmaker. But this is like next level bad you know playmaking and floor, floor general kind of work it's i don't i don't know i don't I, I think that like we said it's going to be tough it'll be tough for ryan to sit rubio but like it it makes complete sense at the moment and i don't know what else like what more evidence ryan needs to see that mclaughlin's clearly just a better fit he might not be the better player but he's clearly just a better fit right now i mean he's the better he's the best fit of all any of the point guards 
uh, on yeah. the roster just because he runs the offense better than any any point guard that that the Timberwolves have. Um, dating back to his days, you know, playing for the Long Island Nets, um, where where the offense was kind of born, I guess. Um, but yeah, and then the one other thing that I that I think is something that I think people aren't really maybe as willing to to have a conversation about yet is Jalen Noel. Um, I, I really have loved what I've seen from Jalen Noel. I think that he's a guy who, uh, you know, I think some people probably perceive him as this guy that just comes in and jack shots and doesn't really play defense. Um, but I've actually liked what I've seen from him on defense. Um, I literally, I, that was literally the next point I was going to make. Like, I don't think he's done anything wrong defensively. Like he's for sure undersized for a wing and he's not at Culver's level probably, but I don't know. I just think, I don't think swapping their minutes out automatically means you get a ton worse defensively. Especially if McDaniels is going to be out there because I think McDaniels has done such a great job helping on the backside and Nas for, you know, every, everything that people kind of gave him last year about how foul happy he was. And he was, um, you know, he's really improved and really become a much more disciplined guy on the defensive end. And I think with having that type of front court and a big physical guy like Anthony Edwards, who I don't think is really going to be much of a defensive liability playing with the bench unit. Um, you know, why the hell not? Uh, you know, worst case you can throw McDaniels on a smaller guy and ask Edwards to guard a four. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any big issue with that, especially from the bench, uh, especially a guy from the bench. Um, and just his shooting too. Like he's just so unafraid to shoot in a good way and he's confident and and I think that defenses respect that and you're not going to see you know you're not going to see defenses just sag off of him and say you know we're going to dare you to shoot it and if defenses are too pressed up on him he's got no issue attacking closeouts and finishing you know over or trying to go through guys and get to the line Um, I, I just think that the Wolves have literally nothing to lose like Jarrett Culver's trade value cannot really get any worse ricky rubio's trade value cannot get any worse and if you're gonna just keep losing games with those guys in the lineup why the hell don't you try and trot something differently out something that's different out there and see what happens Um, especially when it's two young guys like mclaughlin clearly doesn't have a very big market didn't didn't in the offseason like you can probably sign him next season to a you know relatively cheap deal relatively long-term. He's a restricted free agent. Noel's on the same deal as Nas Reed, that four-year team-friendly, you know, minimum deal with team options every year. I just... It's the same as the Wancho thing where it's like, I know that you paid these guys and I know that they were part of your plan, but you've got guys who are who can potentially replace them who are just as young, who has have just as much potential and clearly are doing better at the NBA level. I just don't think that it should be the, the the front office needs to spin this as a positive that they're finding good young players rather that they rather than that they are replacing, you know, bad young players. I just think that that's how the NBA works. Sometimes you get young players and they're not very good, and sometimes you get young players and they overperform their their draft position. And I just think that you need to play those guys. You need to go with what works. I I think the Timberwolves is well, I shouldn't say the Timberwolves. I should say Ryan Saunders has struggled so much this year with just continuing to roll with something that works, whether it be yeah. Delos having a good night or Malik's having a good night or, or 
you know, on some nights, Cats had a good night and he's gotten pulled too, like in that Memphis game. Um, Edwards scores 10 straight and then doesn't touch the ball for five minutes. Yeah, I mean, those are the types of things that are just so inexcusable that I, I think um, I, I worry about continuing to be a thing even if we get a rotation like this. Um, and I think too that that's something that, that's really interesting in this lineup is I think you really have four four guys that can handle the ball without issue. Like you can run, yeah. you can run one five two five three five and four five pick and rolls um, with with this lineup because McLaughlin and Noel are both comfortable and Edwards really are all comfortable like pulling up out of a pulling up out of a out of a screen and roll. And then McDaniel's too. I mean, he, he's probably comfortable to just like take a take a dribble and step back, or take a dribble and give a little head fake and, and get to the rim. Uh, and you can't block you can't block McDaniel's shot. I know that it hasn't been money thus far that kind of mid range shot, but when he gets into the mid range and he pulls up, he's just pulling up over guys like they're not even there. Like he's so long. It's it's if he can get that little in between shot down, he's going to be a really hard guy to stop offensively. Yeah, and and I think that you know we saw some of that in the game against the Sixers where, um, you know he, he hit a mid range shot or two, um, off the bounce, which was good to see. And and I and I you know the thing is that I've seen more guys are shooting mid range shots, and I think some of that might have to do with, um you know, those shots just being open, which I think is fine. Like I have no issue with a dude taking a mid range shot. If it's an open shot, if it's an open shot, take yep. an open shot. Um, I think if you look at all the best offenses in the league, they don't shun mid range shots. They shun bad shots in the mid range. But I think at times, if you turn around a pick and roll and you're a guy who can, has shown they can hit pull up jumpers and you know, the bigs in the drop in the pick and roll coverage, like pull up and hit that jumper. We saw Anthony Edwards do it twice at the start of the game against uh, the Sixers and, and they're like, they're not ideal shots analytically, but they're good shots in the flow of the offense. I just think that sometimes Minnesota's offense is kind of shoot threes and, or get layups, but don't run anything to get there and don't, you know, and kind of ignore, ignore good shots to get those shots. I just don't think that works. I don't think it works, especially not for a team full of young guys who who aren't experienced in this league and don't know how to to kind of manufacture shots like others do. I think it works if you play these ten guys. Yeah, I don't think it and works. I, think I don't but, think but, it works if you play a bunch of guys that can't shoot or have confidence problems or, um, you know, just just don't really know how to play within the flow of a game, um, because. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Carl Anthony Towns damn well know how to play within the flow of the game. And Jalen Noel <laughs> and Anthony Edwards sure as hell know how to do it too. Um, and, and Jordan McLaughlin does too. Like there's a, the Timberwolves have guys that know how to play and can succeed in what they are trying to do offensively, even though we both disagree with it. Um, and it's just up to them to play those guys. Like I just don't know what we're waiting on. You know, what else are guys going to do? Like, guys are going to – I'd be pissed if I was Jalen Noel. I would yeah. walk in there and say, I've played fucking great when I've been out there. And Jerk Culver's been terrible. Or same thing with – you know, same thing with Jordan McLaughlin. Like, go up to Ryan and be like, hey, buddy, like, open your eyes. Do you not see that when I go out there, good things happen almost every single time? 
Like it, it just blows my mind how the Timberwolves refuse to play guys who have been excellent in the in the playing time that they're given. I just I do not get it. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And it's it's we're both pretty statistical-minded people, especially you know when it comes to our writing, and, and, and we always like to lean on the stats, but... At this point, it's just the eye test is so so obvious. I think, especially with McLaughlin, I in in fact not just with with McLaughlin and Rubio, but I think especially with Noel. Like Noel is one of those guys. I tweeted out yesterday where he's just like he's just a hooper. Like you said it before, he's just a baller. Like it's so obvious when you watch him that he knows how to score at every level. He can draw fouls. He he competes defensively. He can run a pick and roll. He can pass out of a pick and roll to a shooter. Like, he's just a guy who gets it. And Culver's a question mark every night. Like, he might play good some nights. He's probably going to play bad most nights. Uh, I know that, you know... At least without you need to dev- Yeah, and you need to... Like, I understand completely the Culver and Noel dynamic. Like, you need to try and develop Culver. He's the sixth pick in the draft. It's one of Rosas' first big moves like that immediately buys him a longer leash. And then, more importantly, I think his archetype of like do-it-all wing who de- can defend at the point of attack and chip in in multiple areas offensively, I think that is a very valuable guy. But like the eye test between those guys is just night and day. Noel's just a bucket getter, and it's so obvious to see. And he's someone who just looks confident with the ball in his hands or without the ball in his hands. And Culver just seems the complete opposite. And I think at some point you'd have to cut your losses and try and win games with the guys who seemingly are helping you win games. Because what's the most important thing for the Timberwolves right now? Well, it's winning games. It's trying it to win to, games. There, ca- there is no incentive to lose games. There's no incentive to lose games. And Cat doesn't want to lose games. I know that he's on the he's sitting on the sidelines, and he's obviously indirectly a big part of why they aren't winning games, which isn't his fault. But that's not going to matter to him when you know they come last in the West again, and next season is the season where he can potentially ask out, and you know no one's going to feel like he did the Timberwolves dirty. Like he's not going to care that that Ricky Rubio has more stead in the lead than, than Jordan McLaughlin. He's not going to care that Jarrett Culver was a higher pick than Jalen Noel. All he's going to care about is that he's sitting at home, he's sitting in quarantine right now, watching the same shit that we are. And he's probably thinking, like, why doesn't Noel get a game every night? Why is McLaughlin not out there? I could use these guys next to me when I'm out there because I want to win games as well. Like, I don't know. It just they're They're the two that just seem absurd to me that they can't get minutes. I know that McLaughlin's already obviously on a two-way. Like, do you, in your opinion, do you play him for the the like in this hypothetical kind of rotation that we're talking about? Do you play him until his two-way days are up, or and then you put Rubio back in the lineup, or do you put Noel as the point guard when McLaughlin can no longer play, or do you sign him for the rest of the season? So you definitely don't sign him for the rest of the season, and the reason why I say that is because you for sure use up all of his two-way days before you sign him for the rest of the season. And plus, you've got to save that money 
for a trade that gets that sends Culver out or sends Ed Davis out or sends uh, Rubio. Rubio or Lehman or Wancho or whomever. Um, it, it just even if you plan on keeping him and playing him for the whole year, it doesn't make any sense right now to, to sign him to a contract because it would put the team over the luxury tax in all likelihood or push them up very close against it so that any trade where they'd be taking back more money than they'd be sending out would put them in the luxury tax. So that's that's kind of where I'd start with that. So I, I would play McLaughlin um, for sure in every single game until Cat comes back. I, like, I think you can get away with playing Rubio when Cat is out there. Um, just because I, I mean, I think those two have legitimate chemistry and, you know, have shown some rapport and, and, you know, I, if there's anybody that can help Ricky figure things out on the floor, at least it'd be cat. So I, I would say McLaughlin's got to play all the games cat doesn't play in. Um, and then I, for me, if I'm, I mean, what, what blows my mind is that, you know, we haven't heard a lick about trade rumors or anything like that and that the Timberwolves aren't working the phone like I'm sure they're working the phones every day but um, I mean Gers has been a guy that's really tried to use uh, that's really tried to use like Woj um, as a guy that can kind of help you know gain leverage in, in trade talk situations or you know throughout the Timberwolves are interested in this I mean the only thing we've seen is that the Timberwolves are interested in PJ Tucker like that's the only thing that we've seen and at this point, like, I think the Wolves are probably thinking, you know, well, why would we trade for P.J. Tucker right now if Cat's not playing? And I get that. But at the same time, like, I don't know how you can look at the product that's on the floor right now and say, yeah, this is working. Or like, yeah, you know, this, this, you know, this is cool. Let's just keep rolling with this. Like, something needs to happen, yeah. whether it's a coaching change or making a trade or at the very, very least changing the guys that are playing most the most or playing, you know, in the rotation. Um, and yeah, it's insane. And what's, you know, that quote is just like insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Like that's literally what we are watching. We're watching insanity because it's just the same thing every night. I know that towns isn't out there and that seems to be the crutch that they're leaning on right now that towns isn't out there. So everyone's going to forgive us for all the things we're doing wrong. And that's what bothers me. I think is because, Yes, Towns is a huge part of the team. He, you were never going to win a lot of games without him. But, like, this is just, like, you have to try something else. Because right now, you're just playing the same players. The guys who are playing terribly are getting 25 minutes a game. The guys who are playing well aren't getting any minutes a game. And then, you know, we're losing by 35 points every night. Like, it's, something's got to give. Like you said, if it's not a coaching change, if it's not a trade, it has to at least be a rotation shake up yeah and uh, you know at the very least i think that you know i i do think that mclaughlin is going to continue to get clock and i do think that that Jaden mcdaniels is going to continue to get clock but I, I really hope that the timberwolves don't start anthony edwards um just because it's so much easier to control his minutes off the bench and he can kind of be the go-to guy off the bench which i think will help kind of you know, get him more acclimated to the offense and show him what he can be and just pump his confidence up and improve and, and help him, you know, fast track his development. Um, I don't think that, I mean, we saw last night against the Sixers, we saw Anthony Edwards when he was out there with the starters, just kind of stand around because 
There was no offense that was being run for him. They weren't trying to get the ball in his hands. It was just kind of D'Lo and Anthony Edwards, or excuse me, D'Lo and Malik just kind of doing their thing. Um, and, and, you know, driving and then <laughs> trying to get Jared Vanderbilt involved down low. And, and I just don't think it's productive at all to have Anthony Edwards out there and then set yourself up for Ryan Saunders to play none of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, or Anthony Edwards on the floor at all. And that's just like complete malpractice. And I, I think it's that just, I don't get it. And I think I that the rotation that. that I laid out, um, you know, obviously I'm biased because it's my idea, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it it allows the team to continue to be aggressive for 48 minutes offensively, and that you know that there are guys out there that are going to be aggressive, looking for their shot and trying to score. As opposed to, you know, playing hot potato because their confidence is shot and, you know, they don't want to do something they're not supposed to do. Yeah, I I just think, again, I'm going to spend this entire podcast agreeing with you, but I just think that for the fans who are kind of clamoring for Edwards to start, and I understand, like, he's the number one pick, I think he's shown... A lot of promise. He's obviously had his struggles as well. I think, and, and lately he's been better. Uh, he seems to be kind of gaining some confidence in his shot again. But I just think if you want him to get more touches and to get these live ball reps, do you want him to come off the bench? Like, like you said, you don't want him sitting around with the starters and not getting the ball five minutes. Like, if you want him to touch the ball and to shoot the ball and to to get experience on an NBA court, I think you want him coming off the bench and playing with the bench unit and as we're kind of laying out, ideally a bench unit that maximizes him rather than one that works against him. Yeah, or be, the, or be that, the first guy that gets subbed out. Like last night yeah. we saw, you know, I, I want to say Josh Kogi was the first guy that got subbed out. Um, yeah, I think McDaniels came in first. So whoever that was for, it might have been Vanderbilt maybe. Yeah, I mean, whoever it was for, I mean, Anthony Edwards should be the first guy that's coming out. It's kind of what they were doing. The way they have with Russell, yeah, the way they did with Russell to start the season, kind of where Russell would come out early for Rubio and then he'd be able to anchor that bench unit. Like, that's what you want Edwards to do if he is to be the starter. Exactly. And I I think that, you know, Saunders gets that. And and he's said, you know, multiple times that, you know, he likes coming out or he likes Edwards coming off the bench because they can control his minutes and they can kind of you know, work him in and, and help make him more comfortable, which, which I agree with completely. And I think if there's anything, any changes out of all this stuff that we've laid out that I feel most confident in, it's probably that, um, just because it's the easiest change and it's the one that, you know, is in the best, it's in the best, um, interest of the Timberwolves in the short and the long term. Um, and it's all about Anthony Edwards too, which obviously is, is what the Timberwolves are all about. So, Yeah, I, I just think I, I, the numbers back us up kind of when we're talking about this in, in terms of Edwards being bolstered by, you know, better second unit players around him or just better fitting players in general. Like Rubio, who was meant to come in and be the Anthony Edwards saviour, the guy who turned him into Donovan Mitchell. They're a minus 22.5 net rating in 191 minutes together. Um, Russell and Edwards are minus 24.2 in 187 minutes. And then 
You know, you go down the list and McLaughlin and Edwards are a plus 7.3 in 152 minutes. It's not a tiny sample size, bigger than I thought it would be as well. Uh, and it, it, yeah, and, that, and the numbers I mean, jump even more. Like I tweeted this last night, but so I saw that the two of them, and the number, my numbers might be a little bit different just because it was from right after the game. But uh, yeah, and this is from NBA.com as well, which kind of differs to, to the <laughs> yeah. So when well. I was looking at cleaning the glass, um, but this is before last night, Rubio and Edwards had played in 391 possessions together. They're minus yeah. 23.2 points per 100 possessions. That is the zeroth percentile per cleaning the glass, which is as bad as you can possibly be. A hundredth percentile is the yeah. best. Zero is the worst. And that's factoring out garbage time, which is the, why Correct. the difference between that and, and NBA.com, why there's a, a slight difference. Correct. There. And so with McLaughlin and Edwards, those two are one point, plus 1.1 per 100 possessions. So they're, what is that? Essentially 24 points better than Rubio and Edwards. So McLaughlin and Edwards are in the 58th percentile in 230 possessions. Um, and then if you remove Wancho from that two-man group, because I don't think Wancho is going to be playing with those too much, um, then they're a plus 7.7 7 in 213 possessions. So Rubio and Edwards really have only played, you know, almost twice as much as McLaughlin and Edwards. And I, and I thought that the disparity was going to be a lot larger there. But I mean... Edwards, I mean, it makes complete sense that Edwards has played better with McLaughlin because McLaughlin is a guy that's going to put pressure on the defense and, and collapse things and kick it out, which which makes it easier for the second or the third driver um, to really make a dent in the defense or get all the way to the cup. Because like you were saying, um, you know, Rubio just can't collapse a defense. He has no shake and he just can't really get past guys anymore. Uh, and, and I just think that the Timberwolves, their chief priority should be winning games, and number two should be helping develop Anthony Edwards as fast as you possibly can. And when there is a move that a lot that is in alignment with both of those things, I think you absolutely need to pull the trigger on, you know, doing it or putting it in action. And we have something there with McLaughlin. Um, so, so I, I mean, I, I'm just kind of at a loss for why the Timberwolves continue to, to neglect, uh, you know, finding things like that, that, that overlap and make sense together. Um, yeah. So. What do you think about, I, I've kind of had this conversation this morning on Twitter. What do you think about the, the Vanderbilt, like the, the bead rotation? Like, do you think that there's a chance that playing, Vanderbilt and Nas together where they've kind of developed a little bit of chemistry and they and they've obviously played together in Iowa as well do you think that that those two together off the bench make a little bit more sense and maybe insert McDaniels into the starting lineup I know that McDaniels is obviously very raw still and and probably not an NBA starter on a team that's not the, the worst in the league but like is there any part of you that thinks that's a good idea um yeah, I mean, I understand it. I, I definitely wouldn't argue against it necessarily. Um, and if that's like the sticking point, then I have no issue with, you know, trying yeah. to make that happen. But but my, my reasoning kind of why I like Vanderbilt a little bit better there is just because I think with him and Akogi, the defense would be a little bit better and that, you know, the communication is there. Those two guys have kind of formed some chemistry on the defensive end, especially guarding pick and rolls, which... Um, you know, is, is arguably the most important thing that you have to do. Um, so 
So that's kind of why I had him starting in there. But if you wanted to put McDaniels in there just to give even more spacing, and then that way you could play a Kogi in kind of that dunker spot um, and kind of just help maximize the spacing of the offense and and really just have Josh run corner to corner or cut in a really wide spaced out floor. Um, you know, I think that would be great. I wouldn't have any issue with that. And I think that that, that would be great too. Um, it's just that I think right now, defensively, I trust Jared Vanderbilt more than I trust Jaden McDaniels against NBA starting competition. Yeah. I, I think it just needs to be those four, right? Like it needs to be, they need to be the beaters that play. Vando, McDaniels, Cat, and Nas. I think that if you're not playing them four in some capacity, obviously Cat as the starter, but the rest of the the three, I think you can jumble up in any way that you want. Like you could even start, you know, I think you could start Nas at the four and have Vando and McDaniels off the bench. Like I think any of that can work as long as it's those four. It's it's when Juancho Hernan Gomez, you know, comes back and and slots into one of those positions. I think that's when you're going to see the uproar from the fan base and probably the uproar from us too as well. Yeah. I don't think that Wancho is going to play many minutes when he comes back, to be honest. Um, I, I just think that, you know, the Timberwolves have seen a significant sample size now of Wancho playing and it hasn't been pretty. And Wancho wasn't even in the rotation. I don't think for the like two games before or didn't play very many minutes at all. The two games before he got coronavirus. Um, so, I mean, that's one that I'm a little less worried about, but um, but who knows? Like, I, I don't think the Timberwolves owe Wancho anything as as it relates to playing time. Uh, yeah, they've given they've given him fourteen million dollars guaranteed. So, you know, he he needs to earn playing time because he's you know got the money, and I think that right now there's no kind of evidence that McDaniel's and Vanderbilt aren't better options. Even with the team losing games, I don't think they can look at it and be like, well, we would have won if, if Wancho was out there. I think it's just one of them things that, that it's unlucky for him, especially with the, the COVID case and kind of, I guess that kind of pushed him out of the rotation even further. But right now, it just makes no sense to put him back in the lineup when it, when he gets back. Yeah. Not age-wise, not development-wise. I mean, you've got something in McDaniels, I think. Yeah. And, if- and I Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like, I just think that you have to develop McDaniels now. Like, especially in the losing season, the season's over. I think they'll be better when Towns is back, but I don't think they're going to be 12, 13 games over 500 better. Like, they're not they're not a chance to make the playoffs at this point, I don't think. So, when you're not a chance to make the playoffs, you still want to win games. But I think at the same, you know, if, if you can play a guy, your first round pick from this season, and still have a better chance to win games than playing, than playing a you know, 28 year old, 25 year old or, or whatever, then you just, you need to do it. Like if you're Rosas, would you rather present the fans with like, Hey, here's the guy that I hit on that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Or would you rather be like, no, I'm going to try and show you guys that I didn't actually make this mistake with Wancho and that he's actually good. And you just need to have patience, 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 patience. Like, no, I would rather show everybody the guy that fans are excited about. And, and everyone, everyone will be more lenient to the mistakes of McDaniels that he makes because at the end of the day, it's building towards, you know, a, a better player. Whereas Wancho is just who he is. I don't think making mistakes is going to make him a better player in the future. I think it's just kind of adding to, to his 
current resume. Like you, you, you're happy to watch rookies go through mistakes. You're not happy to watch guys who you've paid seven million dollars a year who are, you know, virtually NBA veterans make mistakes and lose the team games. Yeah, especially a guy who's played in the offense before, and then just looks like yeah. he has no idea what's going on. Um, and who came to training camp unfit and kind of you know brought this all on himself. I guess. Yeah. No, I'm I'm completely with you. Um, yeah, I mean, my main things is I just want to watch Anthony Edwards play better and, and grow in front of our eyes, which I think we're seeing, and he's a ton of fun. Um, and then also just see like Jaden McDaniels, like those are the two things that I really want to see, like once Cat comes back. And if those two guys are playing, I think you know the Timberwolves will be in kind of a better spot, and we can kind of. You know, I, I guess except if Rubio's playing more or if, you know, Culver's playing. But but those are the two guys that I think for sure 100% absolutely should be in the rotation no matter what. Um, and I think they will be. Um, I think they've both earned that. And I think that, you know, Ryan Saunders having Jaden McDaniels be the first guy off the bench in some instances, I think is kind of proving that, you know, that he'll be in there. So. So that's kind yeah. of what I'm. Well, so that's kind of what I'm going to be looking for for the rest of the year. Um, and he's know, no seeing the same happens. things as us. Ryan's seeing the same things as us. I know that you know we're we're happy to sit here and criticize him often throughout the season, but like he's seeing that the Timberwolves are 17 points better per 100 possessions when McDaniel's is on the floor defensively. Like he's seen. That's why McDaniel's is the first off the bench because he can stretch the floor and he's actually been very good defensively. He's still really skinny and like any screen is kind of like a brick wall but any time that he's not going through a screen he has been genuinely excellent defensively mm-hmm. and i just think that like you said as long as we get to see that throughout the season you know develop we get to see anthony edwards put put in better positions and have better players around him to develop and then you know get cat back and cat kind of is the the tide that you know lifts all boats or whatever the, that bloody saying is like any everyone is better with Towns out there. The two man lineup data is ridiculous when Towns has been playing because everyone is a is a positive. Yeah. Culver, who who have shit on all podcasts, Rubio who have shit on all podcasts are like 10, 15 points better per one hundred possessions when Towns is with them on the court. Like he that's who Cat is, and especially the way he's playing defense. So I think you know it'll just be nice to see Cat get back out there because right now it's pretty depressing without him there and it's hard to get a real feel on the team and on these players and on these lineups without towns there to hold it all together yeah and you know i think kyle kyle taggy um you know our editor-in-chief said it really said it really well he said the timberwolves have done a phenomenal job of catering to the happiness of their players since gerson rosas arrived in 2019 one does have to wonder though at what point does the happiness of their dwindling fan base get accounted for as well yeah, and that's the answer. That's the question that I guess we're all gonna be waiting to hear the answer for. Um, you know, as we get into the the final three quarters of the season, um, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, like D'Angelo said, you know, they can run a few off once Cat gets back. But <sighs> but we just still have no idea what it's gonna be. So. That that big size just pretty much you know sums up the Timberwolves season in in one noise. I just because that's I, just how that's how I feel every game. I just want to have fun, man. Like I just want to have fun watching <laughs> this team, and I think that 
you know, we've seen flashes and even if the team loses games, I still want to be like, you know what? It was a lot of fun to sit down and watch Anthony Edwards play or watch Carlin Anthony yeah. Towns play or D'Angelo Russell, whoever it is. Because I think the Timberwolves have enough individual guys that, you know, they can feasibly do that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll um, hopefully that that's coming soon. Hopefully that fun is coming soon. But right now we're just pushing through. And I thought today was was good to sit down and kind of hypothesize about what could potentially make this team a little bit more watchable. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks as usual. And, and you can follow Jack on Twitter at jrborman13. You can find his good stuff over at Canis Hoopus and everywhere that you see him or hear him on podcasts is always going to be good. So yeah, thanks again, Jack, for coming on and thanks for always being there for a pod, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's always good to be with you and, uh, and uh, just kind of share in the share in the shit, <laughs> if you will. So it's, it's good to be with you, and um, and uh, I'm sure we will uh, we will talk soon. Yep, for sure. And um, yeah, everyone else, thanks for listening, and, uh, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>